Live from the betting capital of the world. Vegas, baby, Vegas! It's Wager Talk with Teddy Covers and Ralph Michaels. It's Monday in Sin City. Teddy Covers and Ralph Michaels with you here uh, on Wager Talk. Welcome to all the viewers on the Sports Grid TV network. Welcome to all of you watching on Zumo, channel 719. Welcome to all of you listening in various podcasts form. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to join Ralph and I. Monday show all about the NFL. Tuesdays we break down college football. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday we go through everything. But on NFL Mondays, Ralph, it's all about what just happened. And you've got a TNA review. Trends and angles. No, not that TNA. It's trends and angles. And a couple of trends that have been paying great dividends in recent seasons. How shall we say? They crashed and burned. Ah, what's going on? TNA review. Well, you've heard us talk numerous times on this show that when you're looking at trends and angles, you use them to help make your play stronger or perhaps back you off a of play. Why don't you ever just play a trend blindly? Well, we talked about a trend that was 1-14 against the spread. NFL teams that started on the road both weeks one and two. Well, guess what? That 1-14 record now 5-14. We did talk two asterisks. That San Francisco was staying in Youngstown. And to me, that helps a team bond. And the Bills, in a very rare setting, played in the same stadium back-to-back games. So those situations happen. We mentioned double-digit dogs, home dogs, last, last week on the show. Those teams were 4-24 and 24 over under. Miami, New England barely stayed under with the Patriots having two defensive touchdowns. It's now 4-25 and 25 over under when you have a double-digit home dog, 86.2% to the under. And let's mention those upsets, three of them this week, upsets of Dogs that were a field goal or more. Carolina gets beat by Tampa Bay. Seattle beats Pittsburgh without Big Ben. And Indy showing us that, hey, you know what? Even without Andrew Luck, they're a pretty decent team as they knock off Tennessee. So the double-digit home dog under trend cashes in the away teams week one and two. That's what crashed and burned uh, this uh, past uh, weekend, which was a big problem if you were playing uh, all of those road dogs. We'll get to the quarterback injuries. We'll get to all the other stuff. But first, we got to talk about what just happened. And what just happened was a week of unders. The unders ruled in week number two, Ralph. Overs just three and 12 heading into Monday night football. If you were betting overs yesterday, you had a rough afternoon in the NFL. Well, 48.4 points per game scored in week number one, 39.4, nine fewer points per game scored so far in week two. Yeah, I guess some of it can be blamed with three starting quarterbacks out. Uh, But again, I think week one, we saw a few inflated lines, people thinking that perhaps the uh, pass interference challenges were going to lead to multiple scores. And I don't know how many have been overturned, none in the games I've watched. Yeah, I mean, there was uh, certainly a fair bit of discussion about the referees in play uh, this past weekend in the NFL. We'll get to plenty of that discussion. Let's start with what we saw last. We're going to go through each and every game 
over the course of this past weekend in the NFL. Then later in the show, we'll go through all of the opening lines for the coming week, and then we'll break down Monday Night Football side, total, and a bunch of props we're going to talk about. So you stay tuned right here on the Sports Grid Network. Let's start with what we just saw, what we saw last. That was the Eagles and the Falcons, a crazy finish. Atlanta gets the W with a perfect play call against the Eagles all-out blitz. Matt Ryan dumped the ball out to Julio Jones. Quick pass to the outside, and Jones did the rest. Racing down the sidelines for the game-covering, and who cares if they won? The game-covering touchdown. Philly with multiple chances down the stretch, but no Deshaun Jackson, no Alshon Jeffrey. That forced them to put in backups at wide receiver for that final drive. They converted one-fourth and long. They didn't get the second one. Falcons and under get the money on Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, well, Chris Collinsworth said it probably 10 times, talking about how much Jim Schwartz defense had to send all-out blitzes because the offense was just struggling with how many injuries they had. And boy, they sure did a good job. But when you have a quality quarterback like Matt Ryan at home, big difference when the offensive line can hear the cadences, can change the plays. He knew he had a hot receiver. He knew he had an all-out blitz coming. If he were on the road, that play doesn't happen. At home, it happens. Great play call. And again, Carson Wentz showed a lot of character. I mean, he was getting beat up bad late in the game. A lot of QB hits. Kept getting away passes, making some completions. Game ends with Hurts, probably six inches short of getting a first down. Sure. And, of course, the quote from Nelson Aguilar after the game, quote, about Carson Wentz, what a game he had. That's one of the best performances I've seen from our quarterback, man. He's very resilient getting the ball to everybody. If you're going to complain about Philly's performance last night, don't blame the quarterback. couple of games in which we saw coaches make gutsy calls. Doug Marone made a gutsy call. He went for two. Oops, Leonard Fournette got stuffed, despite the fact that Houston's offense got stuffed all game. The Jags defense was the best unit on the field. Yeah, Marone talked about thinking he was on the road with a quarterback making his first start. But, heck, your defense held Houston to 263 yards. Even though you had Gardner Minshew as quarterback, you had the yardage edge. Now, I didn't watch this game, so I don't know how the game was playing out, if that was the right call in my mind or not. But uh, you don't often see that in the NFL, someone going for two for the win. But, again, Gardner Minshew, 23 of 33, 213 yards. Seems to me he had a good game. Seems to me I probably would have gone to overtime with my defense. Yeah, uh, bottom line, though, Gardner Minshew was not trusted on that final play by the Jags uh, coaching staff. And, hey, let's give Jacksonville's defense some credit. Deshaun Watson sacked four times again on Sunday. That's eight straight games where Watson has been sacked at least four times that ties in with a couple guys you don't want to be tied with on that list. Blake Bortles and Jeff George. You don't want to hear a Deshaun Watson fan. You don't want to hear his name ever mentioned with those two guys again. We've got 14, 13, 12 more games to talk about. We'll talk about them all next right here on Wager.
Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Welcome back to Patriots Talk. Eddie Covers and Ralph Michaels breaking down what just happened in the NFL on a Monday morning. And Ralph, we just talked about Doug Marone causing his team, showing guts, but it ended up costing his team a win with Leonard Fournette going for two and not making it. Frank Reich showed guts as well, but the Colts got the win because of it. Indy, up two with just over two minutes to go. Tennessee still had all their timeouts. The Colts at their own 35-yard line facing fourth and one. Frank Reich said, we can get a yard. And they did. It didn't end. They weren't able to run at the clock, but they burned all of Tennessee's timeouts. They were able to punt the ball deep after the next uh, three out. And it was an aggressive move that paid off. The Titans just one of 10 on third downs. Oh, of one on fourth. Indy gets the money despite another bad game from Adam Vinatieri. Yeah, uh, a change perhaps for Vinatieri, and uh, I mean, per, uh, per, a change perhaps for Tennessee. I mean, you have Ryan Tannehill sitting back there, Marcus Mariota. I mean, yeah, 19 of 28, but for 154 yards to to only to only be able to gain 242 yards uh, against Indianapolis at home. Uh, they had what lost 11 straight with Andrew Luck to the Colts, and now uh, Jacoby Brissett takes right over and and gets him a 12 straight loss. Yeah, Brissett with the TD pass, that was impressive. I thought Indy was the better of the two teams. They deserved the victory. Here's the question. Who played worse, Eli Manning or the Giants defense? Just looking during the break, and the latest quote from Pat Shermer, he did not commit to Eli for this coming Sunday. Could be the Daniel Jones era gets an early start for the Giants. Well, I mean, you look at the, the Giants. I mean, they had 370 yards again. You had 21 first downs. That's enough to win a lot of games. Uh, the problem is the two interceptions. So to me, it's clearly Eli Manning playing poorly again. Quarterback rating of 62.3. On the flip side, uh, the Josh Allen that Shermer said is not sure if he's an NFL player had a quarterback rating of 101, a little better than Eli. So uh, Josh Allen threw the ball downfield. You know, Gore and Singletary split the snaps for Buffalo. And Buffalo's defense, yeah, you know, I talked about him being, I thought they were one of the best in the league, if not the best. You did see the Giants move the ball early. Barkley broke off a couple runs and gained some yards. But Buffalo made the needed adjustments and shut him down the last three quarters and certainly the second half. Sure. I mean, I'll give the Bills defense all kinds of credit. But I'm not going to give the Giants defense any credit. That is a bottom-tier unit. The Cowboys moved the ball up and down the field on them in week one. The Bills did in week two. And they faced Tampa coming up. We'll talk about that game a little bit later in the show. So Kyler Murray had a heck of a game. Uh, he could ball. The cards wire-to-wire cover as a double-digit dog. Arizona, more yards per play than Baltimore. But it was the Ravens who had a big edge when it came to yards per rush. Baltimore gets the win. They never really sniff the money. Baltimore and Atlanta stays under the total. Well, you see with Kyler Murray, number one, 
he impressed me. Did I think he was going to go 25 of 40 for 349 yards? Absolutely not. I would have been all over the under. But then you look, and they only had 15 first downs. He had 30-plus yard passes to Kirk, to Fitzgerald, and to Johnson. Uh, you know, they're really going to they're really gonna be a big play team. So uh, we'll see how teams adjust from that. The 15 first downs concerns me. But, you know, uh, at least we don't have to talk about Arizona being the worst team in football like we did last year under Murray behind center. Sure. And, of course, no turnovers for Kyler Murray in that ballgame. That a very positive sign against an aggressive Ravens defense. So uh, the look ahead line last week had Miami at plus 11 and then the opener was plus 13 and then it was plus 15 and then it was plus 17 and then it was plus 18 and then it was plus 20 and then with some buyback and it closed 18 and a half. Well, the Dolphins were plus 18 and a half for a reason. Final New England 43 Miami nothing scary quote for anyone that wants to fade the Patriots moving forward. Bill Belichick quote we're playing. 60 minutes and a goal line stand for New England at the end. Despite two defensive scores, the game stays under the total and cashes another of those incredible trend with a double digit home dog staying under, Ralph. Yeah, I, I played on the under, and I, you know, when I sent out my plays, I said that, you know, there's no way Miami gets to 10 points, and I don't think New England will, will score enough for the game to go over. But you had two minutes to go in the game, and Edelman goes out and they're looking at his eye, and you're up, you're up 37 or 36 to nothing, and you bring Edelman back in. That's how bad you wanted to score, and that's how much you wanted to lay it on. Yes, they remember losing at Miami each of the last two years. They remember losing Miami five of the last six times they traveled down there. They wanted to leave, no question, they were the dominant team. And yes, there's no question, Bill Belichick wanted that shutout. And again, Patriots with Belichick being his own DC. I talked about it the last two weeks on this show. I certainly have them circled for the next few weeks as well. Yeah, no interest right now in fading New England. For Miami, worth noting these quotes from Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's never fun to be embarrassed, especially two weeks in a row at home. Fitzpatrick, 89 yards before getting benched in that ballgame. Brian Flores, Miami's head coach, talking about who's going to start next week, whether it be Fitzpatrick or Josh Rosen, quote, will evaluate things over the course of the week. As of right now, Ryan is still the starter. We had a pros versus Joes game yesterday, a clear pros versus Joes, and the pros beat the Joes. Pros had the Chargers, the jo uh, sorry, pros had the Lions, the Joes had the Chargers as road favorites. And despite the fact that L.A. was the better team start to finish, Lions defense made enough plays to keep them in the game, and they kind of stole it at the end. They did. I mean, you look at a box score, it's 424 to 339, uh, an 80-plus yard edge. You look at Phillip Rivers, but, it, you know, that 0-1 jumps out at you, throwing that interception late. Uh you know, do they miss Gordon? I don't I don't know if they miss Gordon. Eckler seems to be getting enough. They used Jackson a little bit more last week. Uh, but again, it, it's just a game where the offense just looks old to me. It did week one. We talked about it. It looks old to me week two. Philip Rivers seems to have have lost a step and, and not have that same arm strength. To me, I, I thought the Chargers would be a team 
peaking this year, and perhaps I was wrong, and, and they may be to that where they peaked last year. We'll still wait and see what pans out in the next few weeks. Yeah, Chargers with crucial red zone turnovers in each of the first two games. Two uh, penalties, callback touchdowns on the same drive, got the first and goal at the one, and then fumbled into the end zone. That was a huge difference in the ball game. Phillip Rivers, quote, I felt like that third quarter was right there for us to blow the doors off, and then we kept letting it stay at 10-6. to six. We got a bunch of games still to go through, Ralph, and not much time to do it. So let's do quick hitters moving forward. Cowboys and over. Worst result of the day for the house, no question. Adrian Peterson, 10 carries, 25 yards, two receptions, seven yards. A non-factor. And oh, by the way, Washington has cluster injuries in the secondary moving forward. Dallas's defense legit. Offense looks as good as any. They may be the best team in the NFC. Yeah, they sure might. The 49ers days of being undervalued are officially over. They went into Cincy and blew the doors off that team. Worth noting, their star left tackle, Joe Staley, broke his left leg in the third quarter. He's going to be out eight weeks. Staley's quote, I really think this team is special. I'm going to do everything in my power to get back and help them down the stretch. San Fran blows out Cincy. Garoppolo, the real deal, like he did when he came to San Fran. Brita showing he can play and be a number one running back in the NFL. Sure. The Vikings, an awful first quarter in Green Bay. They were the better team for the final three quarters. Didn't matter. Lots of weird miscues, red zone mistakes. Green Bay gets the money against Minnesota. Minnesota turned the ball over four times. They were plus three turnovers in the Atlanta game. You can't go on the road against Aaron Rodgers. Turn the ball over four times and and expect to win. Minnesota stayed close. I was scared. I was on the Packers. Vikings took him to the wire. They sure did. We're going to talk about Mason Rudolph and Teddy Bridgewater coming up next. Those quarterback injuries, a major impactful story on a Monday right here on Wager Talk. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Teddy Covers and Ralph Michaels breaking down the world of the NFL for you on a Monday. Ralph, real quick before we get into the opening lines, I just want to finish the recap of what happened this last weekend. And clearly, two key quarterback injuries to talk about here on a Monday. Ben Rothberger out for the year. Mason Rudolph came to play. Steelers defense didn't. And Drew Brees could be out as much as eight weeks. And a plus, the refs found a way to screw the Saints again. Uh, so... L.A. gets the money, Seattle gets the money, Pittsburgh and New Orleans moving forward, playing without their Pro Bowl caliber, Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. If you said to me, which would I prefer? Uh, I would certainly take Teddy Bridgewater over Mason Rudolph. But I mean, Mason Rudolph looked better than Teddy Bridgewater. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Uh, Again, I don't think either team can win their division 
Uh, they both were the favorites to win their division. I think both now uh, drop down and can't win their division with those backups. Yeah. So a couple more games to finish up. The Chiefs score four touchdowns in the second quarter against uh, Oakland. Patrick Mahomes, 278 passing yards in a quarter, the second most all time in the NFL behind only Drew Brees. And those four second half, second quarter touchdowns were enough. Oakland's offense couldn't put the biscuit in the basket against that KC defense. With the biscuit in the basket? Did you have yeah. to practice that or did that just come to you naturally? Um, you know, to me, it's like a game for the Chiefs. When they want to try to score, they can score. I don't understand watching the Chiefs, how their receivers can be open. And when I watch other games, no receivers are ever open like that. But even with that said, Mahomes, Mahomes' accuracy is just amazing when he's throwing to the sidelines. Chiefs' best offense in football, no question. Well, the Patriots will make an argument that they might be in that group. One last game to recap the Bears and the Broncos. This was a truly wild finish. This is what makes the NFL super exciting. But, of course, it also what makes the NFL super annoying. You had they were going to go for two and then, oh, a penalty. So now they're pushed back. And, oh, but the extra point is no good. But, oh, another penalty. And then they're pushed forward. And let's go for two again. And then we make it. But then another random penalty on a normal sack. And, oh, that's a 15-yard personal foul call. And next thing you know, the Bears get to make a game-winning field goal. But the Broncos still get the money. I have one question for you. And maybe I'm just, I don't know the rules properly. You know, the 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 ball was at the two. It went back to the seven on, on the illegal procedure. How come it went back to the two on the offsides and not half the distance? Do you know the answer? I don't know. Uh, offhand, so no. I don't know. I didn't hear if it was a missed call or or just in in on an extra point that it's not half the distance and you get five yards. So that I don't know. And I didn't hear anyone explain that. So I'll look further and we'll talk this week if I find that out. Uh, was it a was it a roughing the quarterback penalty? Uh, it was one of the weaker, rougher, the roughing the quarterback penalties. But again, you got to remember these guys, these umpires are just sitting back there watching the plays. And if they think there's that extra effort to hurt a quarterback, they're going to make the call. Yeah, the NFL's officiating problem, and it is a problem. It's not going to get solved. It'll never get solved. And we'll be arguing about this stuff when my hair is even grayer uh, than it is now. They're humans. And the game goes really fast. And that's all you need to know. And the whole concept of replay, overturning stuff, the con the concept is great when it's clear and controversial evidence. But unfortunately, that criteria has not been met when it comes to what gets overturned and what doesn't. There's a whole lot of randomness with a lot of these calls. Opening line report, OLR, week three NFL. Let's plow through these games. 16 opening lines to talk about. Let's start with this one. Thursday night, Tennessee minus one and a half total of 40 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this one's right where the look ahead line was. L.A. minus one and a half. That's look ahead was minus one and a half for Tennessee. That's right where it opened. You know, both lines, uh, both teams lost, both teams disappointing now in the division game. You know, let's just mention quickly, the look ahead line gets put out the week before the games that moved Three or more points from the look-ahead line this past weekend went three and one against the spread, and we do have the New York Jets tonight. So when you see a big move from the look-ahead line, the teams that 
the teams that the people are betting on, again, went one and three against the spread. Yeah, what you're seeing from the reaction between the look-ahead line and the current line is what just happened yesterday and how the markets have reacted to what happened in the NFL this weekend. It's one game, how much that's going to affect the point spread. And some of these, they'll be significant. Of course, a couple of these have to do with quarterback injuries. Those are the biggest movers between the look-aheads and the bettable lines this week. You know, the lines that came out last night have been pounding in shape all morning on Monday. Green Bay Packers, minus 7.5, total of 43 against the Denver Broncos. Last week, the look-ahead was Packers minus 6.5, but... Whatever betting market support we've seen from Denver, likely to crash and burn. The only good thing about the Broncos was supposed to be their defense. Their defense isn't getting after the quarterback right now, and that could be a problem. Yeah, Von Miller's been a no-show. Uh, uh, and I think it's an advantage for Rodgers to face the Minnesota D-line and now facing the Denver D-line again. I think Denver's going to have a home-road dichotomy where I'll be looking to fade them when they're on the road. Yeah, I don't know if Denver's going to have much of a home field advantage either. That doesn't look like a team on Purdue, although they did cash yesterday. I don't know if that's going to be a regular for the Broncos. If they face a team that can score, they're likely to have problems. But the Packers couldn't score yesterday after the first uh, quarter, completely shut down by Minnesota. Philadelphia, minus 6.5, total of 48 against Detroit. The look-ahead line was minus 7.5, but major concerns about that Eagles receiving core, Jeffrey and John uh, Jackson, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, both very questionable for this coming game against the Lions. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if this moves a little bit more down. Uh, you know, D Detroit showed us they can win. And again, Philadelphia's injury list, before you're betting this game, make sure you get an updated injury report to know exactly who will be on the field for Philadelphia at wide receiver this weekend. Sure, I can tell you this. The wise guys have already shown me they like Detroit. There's going to be Lions support in the markets, not public money, but Detroit's defensive numbers. Heck, they look pretty good through the first couple of games, with the exception of that fourth quarter in Arizona where they ran out of gas. Nonetheless, Lions defensively, they've got impressive numbers. That ensures wise guy support in this game. So don't expect this line to go through the roof. Kansas City, minus six and a half. And this is a total for Baltimore that you rarely see. Chiefs, six and a half, 55 and a half against the Ravens. Look headline was Kansas City minus six. Listen, there's no question. Last year, the two worst teams in football were Arizona and Miami. Well, who did Baltimore play their first two weeks? Arizona and Miami. I think this total's way too high. I expect Baltimore to come back to the earth. And I like the Chiefs as well. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what. Lamar Jackson has looked great the first two weeks of the season. And he's not going to face an elite defense this week. So uh, I wouldn't mind at all. I don't know that I'm going to lay with KC. And I wouldn't mind Baltimore looking good here. Because I think we'll get ample value moving against them once Lamar Jackson faces a real defense. The Buffalo Bills are a real defense. They're laying six. Total of 44 against Cincinnati. The look-ahead line here was only four and a half. but. Buffalo looked good. Cincy looked bad. Are the Bills real? 2-0 against 0-2. And normally, the betting markets like the 0-2 team against the 2-0 team. They expect a desperate effort from the 0-2 team. But this is one where the early money has come for the 2-0 team. That's rare in this marketplace. 
Bill, six and 44 against the Bengals. Well, I made the line seven. So obviously I do believe the Bills are for real. I believe the Bills defense is for real, as I talked about. And again, if I made the line seven and it's six right now, you know which way I'm leaning. Yeah, I'm with you on that one as well. The Bills on my short list for this coming Sunday, although I haven't bet them yet, and I probably should have bet them already. So if I haven't bet them yet, it doesn't mean that I'm going to. Indy, well, they're coming off back-to-back barn burners. <laughs> Minus two and a half, 47 and a half. The Colts return home for their home opener against the Atlanta Falcons. Look-ahead line was only Indy minus one. Colts starting to get a little bit of betting market support or the market's cooling on Atlanta, who got the money last night but didn't look brilliant doing it? I don't agree with this line move. I I think uh, the Colts have played two offenses that struggle to score, and I think they're going to struggle keeping up with the Falcons' offense this week. Minnesota, minus eight, total of 43 against the Oakland Raiders. Look ahead line here with seven and a half. The Vikings yesterday, turnovers, penalties, miscues. That team took a shotgun and blew off their foot about eight different times. A game they probably could have won, at least covered. Now they get to return home against a Raiders team traveling east for an early start game. Yeah, again, remember, Vikings, the best home favorite in the NFL the last four years, unequivocally. But Oakland did impress me. Oakland, you know, yes, they gave up a couple long touchdowns, but it wasn't because of the bad defense. It was Mahomes making incredible throws. Yeah, I'm with you. The Raiders, the final score yesterday was not indicative of how the game was played. Oakland was competitive in that contest. KC just capable of making a whole bunch of big plays. The New England Patriots open minus 18, total of 47 against the Jets. This is only in a few books. This line was not what I, what I'll, what I would call a mature line yet. We'll get a real opener for this game uh, tomorrow morning. But the look-ahead line here was only Patriots minus 13. The market's in love with New England right now. Well, I'm in love with New England, too. Laying 18 against the division foe is a different story. Uh, but again, I guess if you're going to lay 17 on the road to Miami, what's the difference between laying 18? Again, the question is going to be what Simeon looks like tonight. Ralph and I are going to go through the rest of the NFL opening lines when we come back. But that's not what you're here for. You're here for our Monday Night Football Breakdown. We'll do that next right here on Wager Talk on the Sports Grid TV Network. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Welcome back to Wager Talk. Teddy Covers and Ralph Michaels. We're going through all the opening lines for week three in the NFL. Then we're going to break down tonight's Monday night football game, Browns and Jets. Don't think for a minute we're not going to give our extended opinions on this one. We'll talk about props as well. But first, let's finish the rest of these opening lines real quick, Ralph. Dallas 
minus 21, total of 47.5 against Miami. Look at line here was Dolphins plus 15.5, but the markets can't find anyone to bet Miami right now. And that's why we're seeing point spreads like this one. Uh, there's only been uh, 30 17-plus point favorites in the last 28 years in the NFL. They've gone 11-21 and 21 against the spread. But this Miami team is historic bad. So I could not play on Miami at any number. Don't know if I'll be on Dallas at that number. Worth noting, the Cowboys have gotten a big lead and fallen asleep completely in the fourth quarter in each of their first two victories. Tampa Bay, minus 6.5, total of 48 against the Giants. The look-ahead line here was only 3.5. Bucks got the win. Giants defense got gashed once again, and we could see Daniel Jones making his starting debut. Pat Shermer would not commit to Eli as a starter this Sunday. Bucks defense impressed me against Carolina. Uh, I think the number is good where it is. I, I think the look ahead line, people were not sure what we're going to get out of Tampa Bay after week one. They proved in Carolina Arians. Again, Arians is a quality coach. He will have Tampa Bay competitive. Carolina is road chalk in Arizona. The look-ahead line was Panthers minus three and a half. The opening number this week, only Carolina minus two and a half, 46 and a half the total. Cardinals getting a little bit of betting marketplace respect. I, again, I agree with the line move. Carolina impressed me. I never thought Murray would do what he did. Uh, excuse me, the Cardinals impressed me. I never thought Murray would do what he did. And I'm not interested in, in Carolina as a road favorite. Yeah, the Panthers, an 0-2 team that had high expectations coming into the season. In theory, they're supposed to play with their hair is on fire this week. The Seahawks have reopened minus 4.5. Even saw some 5s and 5.5s out there. Total of 46 against the Saints. The Teddy Bridgewater Saints. The look-ahead line here with Seattle only minus 1. Uh, is Breeze worth 3.5? Well, Watching Bridgewater play this past weekend, yes. But it's a big difference coming into the middle of a game than having a week to prepare with the offense knowing that it's now your team moving forward. Yeah, I'm not going to get involved with the Teddy Bridgewater Saints. And I'm really liking the fact that Breeze is hurt because I get the Saints under 10.5 wins this season. The Chargers, minus three, total of 48 against the Texans. Look headline here at LA, minus three and a half. The wise guys don't like the Chargers right now. Yeah, I don't like the Chargers either. As I said, they look old to me, but Houston getting held to under 270 yards at home is baffling to me against Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the Lions defense and the Jags defense both, both did pretty good numbers on the opposing offenses this past Sunday. The 49ers now up to minus seven. Total 44 and a half against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The look-ahead line here had the Steelers Minus one and a half. That's an eight and a half point line move between Ben Rothsberger and Mason Rudolph. And Mason Rudolph can play. What do you think of this line? Niners and the Steelers. Well, an injury system is something I usually like playing on. The first start for a quarterback after his team lost their starter, the the opposite team tends to let down a little bit, not knowing knowing they're not playing the, the quarterback that was their star. And the team rallies around the injury of the first game. Uh, this is a situation I clearly would not be on San Fran. Just don't know if I'll be on the Steelers' side. Sure. And again, this is a 2-0 and versus 0-2. The markets tend to play the dogs in these games. This early Pittsburgh money, we'll see some buyback later in the week. You can count on it. 
The Rams minus 351 against the Browns. Look ahead line at the Rams minus one and a half. This line, again, not a mature market because Cleveland plays tonight on Monday Night Football. Uh, this line was, if you remember last week, I said, what was that line, one and a half? You had, you had talked about him just when they came out. Uh, I have the Rams at minus four and a half, so I'm still leaning the Rams. Yeah, my number uh, comes with Cleveland as a favorite in that ballgame, though we'll see how that gets affected by tonight's Monday night performance. Last but not least, next Monday night, the Bears minus three and a half, minus fours are popping up. Total 41 and a half against the Redskins. The look-ahead line was four and a half. My powering number is four and a half, but it's hard to lay points to the Chicago Bears offense that just can't find the end zone. One touchdown in two games so far this season. Yeah, but now they're playing the Washington defense instead of they're playing the Washington defense at home instead of a very improved Packers defense or a Denver defense on the road. Yeah, huge difference in that regard. The Redskins defense, from all indications, not. Very good. Okay, let's get into it. One game on the card for tonight in football. It's Monday Night Football. Just about everyone who's watching this show is probably involved in one way or another in this ball game. Let's talk about it. Right now, the Browns minus six and a half against the New York Football Jets. Total here, 44. I personally put Cleveland in my pocket at minus two and a half. And I've been debating as to what I'm going to do with that. And I've decided. Pretty well, I'm going to hold it. I'm not going to look to buy back the Jets. Um, there's a lot, I thought that we might see a seven. I don't think we're going to see sevens in this ballgame. Um, so at six and a half, that's not the middle I'm looking for. I thought Cleveland was the better of these two teams. And the injuries for the Jets, look, there's been a lot of talk, obviously, with Sam Darnold out. Deservedly so. That's what moved the line uh, four points in this one with Trevor Simeon. Although Simeon, 13 and 11 as a starter for a bunch of mediocre Broncos teams. So he does have a winning record, and he has 24 games of career starter under his belt. That's why he got this job. The Jets are not a team with nothing at backup quarterback like so many other teams in the NFL. But it's not just Donald being out. We're talking about C.J. Mosley uh, being out as a you know an impact linebacker. Quinn and Williams, their number one draft choice on the defensive line, he's out. Quincy and Nunwa, one of their best downfield weapons, he's out. Plus, offensive line injuries, a bunch of guys questionable, banged up. The Jets are not a healthy team here. That could be a big problem against a Browns squad that, in theory, is supposed to be on max focus after they played a pretty dismal turnover-plagued, in penalty-plagued game against Tennessee last week. Well, with, with your... Uh... With your delayed butt there, you even fooled the camera guy, Teddy, when you went into your injuries. Um, <laughs> you know, something that I something that I truly believe in handicapping college football, college basketball, and the NFL, it, it takes a, an improved team to learn to win on the road. It takes a very improved team to learn to cover on the road. This is still a Browns team that has gone 2-27 and 27 straight up their last 29 road games. This is a Browns team that's since 2014. That's the 2014, 15, 16, 17, and 18 seasons has been in a way favor twice, and they lost both of those games straight up. Again, until the Browns learn how to win on the road, then I will consider learning how to back them on the road as an away favorite. They did win by margin 
like this once on the road last year. They went to Dan was it Denver? Uh, they went to Cincinnati, won 35 to 20 uh, in that ballgame. So it's few and far between. But when we break down the matchups in this game, and I understand your concept. You're saying this is a Cleveland team. They're not there yet. They might get there, but I don't trust them yet. That's, you know, and I fully understand that. However, in my opinion, the way to make money, the most money in the NFL is you have to be ahead of the curve. You have to look at a team like Cleveland and go, I know they haven't won on the road yet, but they're about to. They're ready to. They're poised to. This team is good enough to. I look at Cleveland and I see that. And I look at the matchups in this game for the Jets and the matchups, they're all kinds of problems. And it starts with the Browns' front seven on defense. Cleveland really strong in the trenches. The Jets' offensive line wasn't good in week one. They have a quarterback in Trevor Simeon. Simeon's all dink and dunk. Okay, Simeon's not going to take shots downfield. He's not going to stretch the defense. You're looking for props. You know, we'll talk about Robbie Anderson in a minute. Over under, you know, you can find as high as 48 and a half uh, receiving yards for Robbie Anderson. I like him under uh, for sure. Uh, matched up against uh, uh, um, Denzel Ward. Uh, but and a dink and dunk offense with a banged up offensive line, an elite defensive line, and a team primed to make a statement. I don't want the Jets here. I don't. Cleveland's the better of these two squads. And if I want, if you want to be proactive on the Browns, again, my opinion, this is the shot to do it. I lay two and a half, six and a half's not the best number, not even close. And if you're getting the worst of the number, you're not going to win long term in the NFL. But it's Monday Night Football. There's a lot of people betting on this game. Let's talk about some of the props, unless you have one final word to talk about. Yeah, I'll give you the last word, Ralph. What do you like? Uh, convince everyone that I'm wrong about Cleveland. Well, you said that the Browns are due to win and they're composed to win. Well, that same team that was composed to win couldn't win as a six-point home favorite with 18 penalties last week. Again, I agree the Browns are the better team. To me, I just have to wait till they do it before I bet on them the first time. Let's talk some props, Teddy. Yeah, let's do quick hitters right here. Baker Mayfield, over under 270 and a half passing yards. I like, oof, that's a hard one for me because I think Cleveland's going to be ahead and I don't know they're going to be chucking the football around with a lead. Agree. Pass on that because if they get the lead, they're going to hand it off to Chubb. Yeah. Uh, Mayfield, over under one and a half touchdown passes. The over minus 150. I'm not going to lay 150, but I think he gets two. What about you? I would bet. I would bet over two. I agree with you there. Trevor Simeon, over under 214 and a half passing yards. And Simeon, over under one and a half touchdown passes. The under on the TD passes. Note, they're both Mayfield and Simeon are the same number. One and a half touchdowns. But Mayfield, the over is minus 150. Simeon, the under, minus 170. You think he'll be chucking the football around? And you think the Jets will be far enough behind that he has to? Well, I'm going to pass on that one because I think it matters how the game's going to get played out. You know, let me just switch gears and, and add in one more dimension in there. You know, Le'Veon Bell over under 69 and a half. I think the Browns shut down and stop Le'Veon Bell and they make Simeon try to beat him. So I would bet I would bet Le'Veon under, but I wouldn't bet Simeon over because if they're giving him the opportunity to dink and dunk, he could get those yards. That makes a ton of sense. So Le'Veon over under 69 and a half rushing yards tonight. Nick Chubb over under 86 and a half rushing yards tonight. He's expected to get the lion's share of the carries, obviously, for Cleveland. He is 17 for 75 last game. I would lean with the over. Yeah, I'm with you there. Player to score the first touchdown. I'll just put it this way. 
No wise guy ever bets this prop. It's a lottery ticket. It's very random. And you're taking something where there's 15 choices. Whenever there's 15 choices, that means the house takeout is that much higher. Any interest in player to score the first TD prop? Nope. Let's pass. Yeah. Uh, longest made field goal of the game, over under 46 and a half yards. Total made field goals, over under three and a half, under minus 130. The Jets have kicker problems. Yeah, again, both of those are the way the game plays out. I think there's more value on other props. Right on. All right. Odell Beckham Jr., over under 81 and a half receiving yards. Will Beckham score a TD? No, minus 130. Yes, plus 110. All right. We're on Monday Night Football. We're in New York where Beckham used to play. Will Mayfield target Beckham? Absolutely to get a touchdown. I'd bet over and I'd bet yes. Exactly. That's not one that I'm looking to stand in front of right now. OBJ and Baker primed to have a decent night tonight. We already talked about Robbie Anderson. 45 and a half, 48 and a half receiving yards. I like him under. I think it's a difficult matchup for the Jets' marquee receiver this week. Can't argue with the point. Again, Denzel Ward, the Browns have two cornerbacks that can cover man-to-man. It puts a lot more pressure on that quarterback because they can get a better pass rush with those man-to-man corners. Denzel Ward absolutely shut down Corey Davis last week. And Anderson is a guy who loves the deep ball. He doesn't fit well into Trevor Simeon's. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Welcome back to the home stretch of Wager Talk. Teddy covers Ralph Michaels. We just broke down Monday Night Football. We just broke down all of the props, or many of the props, for Monday night. We talked about the opening lines. We talked about what happened in the NFL. Now we have to talk a little bit about what happened on Saturday. And Ralph, we get to do a little I told you so here, because what did we say? We said, watch for the underdog money line parlays. This is where you can cash in. And instead of cashing a three-teamer at six to one, you can cash in at 25 to one or 30 to one or 35 to one. And the underdogs were biting on Saturday. Lots of ranked teams that were a good notch or two overrated. What's the lesson? Bet against overrated teams that get ranked? Well, I think there is a lesson moving forward. Um, You have to remember that the AP poll is just a popularity contest. It's teams that early in the year are undefeated, and because other teams lose, these teams move up. Syracuse was the best example I can think of a couple weeks ago. They moved into the AP poll. I have Syracuse about my number 55 team, but because they moved up into the poll, all of a sudden they weren't away favorite at Maryland. The Sharps ended up betting Maryland back. They were the better team, and Maryland took care of business. You know, this past week, we saw other teams move into the AP Top 25, and we saw that they aren't they aren't the Top 25 teams. So learn the difference between being a ranked team and being one of the best 25 teams in America. You talked about those upsets, Teddy. There were 11 upsets this past weekend in college football 
from dogs that were a three-point dog or higher. The biggest upset, Citadel knocked off Georgia Tech as a 26-point dog. We're going to be talking more about what we learned from week three in college football, talking about those upsets, and talking about all those teams that got outgained yet won the game where we can find value playing against them moving forward. Sure, that will all be right here on Wager Talk on tomorrow's show. As far as today's show, heck, you can stick a fork in it, guys. We are done. Thank you so much, again, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with Ralph and I. Enjoy the game tonight. Please, please bet with your head, not over it. We want you to be back here again tomorrow. Tell your friends, Wager Talk, right here on the Sports Grid TV Network. Thanks for watching. Talk to you tomorrow.